Because man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, take your Bible and open it to Revelation 12. Revelation chapter 12. I want to read one verse here, which is a key verse to the whole book. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Hear God's word from Revelation 12, 11. They conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the point of death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we pray that as we read your word now, and as we meditate on it, that you'd give us wisdom and insight. Give us strength, we pray. We are here to hear your word, to tremble at your word, to grow in our fear of you, that we might honor you with our lives. So help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world that he didn't exist. Kaiser Soze said that in the movie Usual Suspects, quoting some other philosopher, French philosopher, I think. But that's something we're thinking about. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world he didn't exist. Sadly, a lot of Christians as well are convinced of the same, or functionally they do. Churches and Christians act like, we act like we don't have an enemy, or that he's not really functional. We know Christ is almighty and omnipotent, and that Satan is no match for Jesus. And because of that, we might think that, um, we might think that it's not a big deal or that, that really Satan is not a threat. But Peter tells us that he's a roaring lion seeking to devour us. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 verse 10, um, he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil for our struggle, our fight. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, and against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. That's our battle, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens, not flesh and blood, not other people ultimately, but Satan and demons. That is our battle. That's our war. And so we're in this war. We have a powerful enemy, and that's a problem for us. If you're not a Christian, you might not think that Satan exists, that there is a real devil. You might remember cartoons with a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other telling you what to do, really illustrating the temptation, but might even accurately um, express demonic and angelic forces that um, are in, in the heavens that, that, that um, interact with us. But if you're not a Christian, you might think, oh, this doesn't, they don't exist. This isn't real. We just want to let you know that it's not just from cartoons. It's not just from stories, but this does come from the Bible itself. And it's worth considering because God is a spirit. God is spiritual. And so are demons and angels. And um, we have, we're, we're basically as humans caught up in the middle of a war. For us as Christians, we, um, we could be fearful of being overpowered by Satan. I think that's some of our fear for those of you who are more sensitive to the reality of Satan and the activity of demons in our lives, the daily activity of demons in our lives. But I would guess that most of us members here at BBC would be more, um, more in danger of being deceived by the inactivity of demons and the, the, um, yeah, the, the indifference or the inactivity of demonic forces that really wage war against our soul individually and even as a church family. So I think the fear there is the fear of being tricked, the fear of being deceived and um, defeated by Satan by us not taking him serious enough. 
the danger with that is if Satan actually deceives us to the point of death, we can be cursed before God. Uh, Peter read about that in Genesis 3. He read to us Genesis 3 about the original sin and how Satan did trick the woman and the man to sin so that um, this whole world would fall into the curse. Now, the good, the good news is that we don't have to be dominated by this fear, the fear of being deceived, the fear of Satan defeating us or overpowering us, because God's love, his perfect love, casts out fear. And so what I want to do is I want us to look here at Revelation 12, 11, because to be honest, I'm scared. I do get scared for myself. When I read Revelation 12 and I, and I read Revelation 21 about the cowards who don't conquer in fearlessness and faithfulness, I see that I could be like that because when I sin, when I give in a temptation in my own life, that is just a small picture of if I continue to do that, that I would cower and prove myself not to really be a Christian. So there's a genuine legitimate fear of, for myself that I can be devoured by Satan and prove to not be a Christian. I fear that for my family. I fear that for our church members, the 108 members of our church, and even for neighbors that, that, that Satan can deceive us and get us off track. And so the good news is that Revelation 12, 11 gives us light and it points the way forward to make sure that we're not conquered by Satan, but that we conquer him. And this is actually not a call to conquer. It's a, it's a statement of fact. It's a prophecy here. It says that they, and that's the brothers and sisters of Revelation 12, 10, the brothers and sisters, the saints, they conquered Satan on account of, that's a more accurate translation, on account of the blood of the lamb and on account of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the point of death. So here, the saints, true saints, true Christians will conquer the dragon. They will conquer the serpent. They will conquer Satan. We will, if we're truly a Christian. But what I want us to think about, especially from Revelation, and really, um, some of you read Revelation, you could, you could be confused by it, and I could understand why it's confusing. But let me give you one critical key to understanding the book of Revelation when you read it and apply it to your own life and apply it to our church. Revelation is calling the readers to conquer, to conquer the dragon. And there are two ways we are to conquer the dragon, and they're both from Revelation 13, okay? So um, we, we need to know how to conquer the dragon if we have this great enemy. So let me give you two ways. The first way is given in verse 10. So let me read verses 9 and 10. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. If, any, if anyone is to be taken captive, into captivity he goes. If anyone, if anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword he will be killed. This calls for endurance and faithfulness from the saints. So the call here, the first way to conquer the dragon and to co conquer demonic forces is to endure faithfully, to endure, to persevere, to keep holding on to Jesus Christ. In Revelation 13 verses 1 through 8, we have this picture of satan the dragon calling out a beast from the the sea and this beast is ugly it's uh, ferocious it's crazy and in verse uh, three we see that the whole earth was amazed and they followed the beast they worshiped the dragon verse four because he gave authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying who's like the beast who's able to wage war against it picture this the beast was given a mouth to utter boasts and blasphemies it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months three and a half years. It began to speak blasphemies against God, to blaspheme his name and his dwelling, those who dwell in heaven. And it was permitted to wage war against the saints and to conquer them. So here's the beast conquering saints, waging war against the saints. It was also given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. 
all those who live on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name was not written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slaughtered. So we have this beast who's following the dragon and he is killing people. He's conquering people. He's convincing the whole world, every tribe, people, nation, and language to follow him. Everybody worships him. Now, this might be speaking, I think it is speaking of a final Antichrist at the end, but the spirit of the Antichrist, according to 1 John 2, is here now. And so the world today, the nations today, the culture around us, they are following and worshiping the beast, the spirit of the Antichrist, which is anti-Jesus. And because of that, they persecute and pressure Christians to choke out their faith to make them give up. And so what's the call? If you're going to be a Christian, you need to endure and keep on holding to Jesus. When you're pressured at work, when you're pressured at school, when you're pressured in the home, when you're pressured even at church to disobey Jesus, to stop following Jesus, to turn away from Jesus, the call for saints is to endure in faithfulness because the beast is active and spiritual forces are getting you to give up. Let me just give you a few applications here before, before I go to our second and last point. Um, you know, in Acts chapter 5, it says in Acts chapter 5, I'll turn there, in verse 40 and 41, they, were, they flogged the apostles there and tortured them for continuing to talk about Jesus. And it says this in verses 40 and 41. After they called the apostles and had them flogged, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and released them. Then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name. They were rejoicing that they got flogged. That's what it says in Revelation 12, verse 12. Therefore, because we conquer, and because Christ has saved us, according to verse 10, therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you with great fury, because he knows his time is short. So let's rejoice in our suffering. Let's rejoice in the difficulties we have. I don't know exactly. I know some of you, some of your current trials, but I don't even know all of your trials. But I know this, every member in our church has, is facing trials right now, or you're about to face a trial pretty soon, maybe even this week. And the key here is to rejoice in God in the trial. Not say when the trial goes away, then I'll rejoice in God. No, but to rejoice in God in the middle of the trial, understanding that there are spiritual forces, evil demonic forces that are seeking to push you out, push your faith out and to push you away from Jesus. So rejoice in your salvation it says in Revelation 12, 11, don't love your lives to the point of death. Be willing to die rather than to sin. Be willing to die rather than to sin. Be willing to die rather than compromise. There's something worse than death, and that's sin. It's our sin and not repenting of our sin. And so, brothers, we need to endure. Sisters, we need to endure and persevere in holding on to Christ. And we need to encourage each other to not give up but to endure. So that's the first way we are going to conquer the dragon according to Revelation. It's by enduring. The second way is also given in Revelation 13, it's in, and it's in verse 18. I'm going to do more summary here just to make sure I stay here sh short on time. It says, this calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, because it is the number of a person. Its number is 666. Okay, I'm not going to answer that question right now, but Revelation 13, 11 through 17 talks about not just the pressure that the first beast gives by pressuring you to give up on Jesus, but the second beast convinces the world with wisdom, wisdom, with, um, with signs and wonders, with persuasive teaching. It says in verse 11 that he has two horns like a lamb, 
so he looks like a lamb, but his but he spoke he spoke, or but it spoke like a dragon. So he looks like Jesus, he talks like Jesus, he walks like Jesus, but his actual words are not Jesus's words. They're the dragon's words. So this is the danger of deception. If one is the danger of pressure, this is the danger of deception where you don't even realize that you're following the dragon. You think you're following a lamb with two horns, but you're following the voice of the dragon. And so this calls for wisdom, for discernment, and for seeing through the devil's tricks and the devil's lies. Now, um, if you read Revelation 2 and 3, which is what I've been studying for the last three years, what you realize is that the, 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 the danger of deception and the danger of pressure and persecution is not just outside in the world, it's inside churches. And actually, the most faithful theological churches are the ones that are in the most danger because they are deceived by losing their first love and by self-reliance and lukewarmness. Well, really the first love, that's the strongest church, at least doctrinally speaking. And so for Bethany Baptist Church, which tends to try to be as biblically discerning as possible, we can actually not discern our lack of love for God or where our tradition, to go to John Lee's sermon last week, our tradition actually replaces the word of God and becomes traditionalism. And we think we're following Jesus when we're actually following the beast or the second beast who deceives. And so this calls for wisdom. So what should we do? How should we grow in wisdom? Just a few applications here. Brothers and sisters, let's tremble at God's word. Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so to be wise, we need to fear God. And to fear God means that we would um, take his word seriously, that we would tremble at his words. That when we read our Bibles, when we hear preaching, when we hear other people talk about God's word with each other, that we would not just take it lightly. We would actually say, hold on, I need to consider what God is actually saying from his word. So brothers, sisters, read the Bible to understand God. Read the Bible to understand our world today. We're in the midst of an election. We're in the midst of all kinds of cultural pressure here in America. We're in the midst of world, um, world issues that are going on today. And we have access to them through the internet. So as you look at your world, read the Bible and then look at our world and our situation through the Bible. That's how you won't be deceived. Because in Revelation 13, Christians are being deceived and pressured by this deception. And then from Revelation 2 and 3, here's one more way to make sure you're not deceived, but you grow in wisdom. Check your heart first. Remove the log from your own eye before you remove the speck from your brother's or sister's eyes or from your, the world's eyes. So even as we're trying to share the gospel of the world, remove the log from your own eye first. If you don't do that, you won't grow in wisdom. You'll be a sitting duck for deception from the dragon and from the second beast who causes people to worship the first beast. So examine yourself, check your own heart, look in the mirror and examine your heart for idolatry, for deception, for compromise, for self-justification and excusing your own sin and ask God to give. And, and that's, that's, that's a sin on the outside is, is um, the idolatry. But on the inside, ask God to show you your own self-reliance and you're leaving the love you had at first. All right. So the call to action here is to use your current amount of wisdom. Now our wisdom is small. Hopefully you're growing in wisdom as you grow as a Christian, but use your current amount of wisdom, whatever it is right now, use that current amount of wisdom to uh, right now, use your current amount of wisdom for today to get through one more day of holding on to Jesus and fighting sin in your life and in the lives of others. Use your current amount of wisdom to follow Jesus and to hold on and endure for one more day 
knowing that if you endure today holding on to Christ, you can grow in wisdom more and more and endure to the end and finally conquer the dragon. If you don't use your current amount of wisdom to obey Christ and fight sin in your own life and do that together as a church family, then you will harden your heart. You'll think you're growing when you're not. You'll harden your heart. You'll dull your your mind and your spiritual sensitivity to what's really going on around you. And you might be defeated by Satan and not conquer. But if you use your current amount of wisdom to humble yourself, to grow more, to endure and hold on to Christ, and if you use your current amount of wisdom right now to help other people in our church family to endure and cling to Christ, then you will shine the light of Christ. You will have a softer heart that is more sensitive and perceptive to what God's doing in your life and the lives of those around you so that you could actually rejoice in your trials and discouragements. And at the end of the day, the main thing is you will conquer the dragon and receive your eternal reward. That's the call. The call is to conquer Satan. And according to Revelation 12, 10, this calls for endurance and faithfulness from Bethany Baptist Church. And according to Revelation 13, verse 18, God calls you to wisdom. So let's ask God to help us endure wisely and, in, and endure all the way to the end. Lord, do this in our lives. Help us to endure. Help us to be wise. Grow us as a church family in these things. Help us to take our current amount of wisdom, which is small, and to use it to keep growing in Christ and to keep holding on to Christ and to keep fighting sin. And help us to do this as a church family. And we pray that you'd help our non-Christian friends and family to even hear about Christ's life, death, and resurrection for them. That as we hold to Christ, they might hear of Christ and repent and believe. In Jesus' name, amen.